Welcome to the Draft Nut Podcast. My name is Jared Feinberg. Alongside me is Devin Jackson, and we are your hosts for today's podcast. Devin, first off, I want to say congratulations on getting your gig with the XFL Press. How's it feeling, man? Uh, thanks, man. I appreciate it right off the top. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's it's exciting. XFL is obviously coming back, um, and uh, seemed like a really good opportunity to to hop on with those guys, at XFL Press. Uh, they they have some connections with some of the XFL players, and uh, with being me being so close to the draft process, um, that you know players could very well go that route should the XFL decide to come back in the spring. So I figure it was a a nice tie into and it, it can help, you know, give them, uh, you know, shine some light on some players that uh, may not make an NFL roster, but potentially could grow some more in XFL and then make their way to the NFL. Absolutely. Um, you know, um, if the XFL and college football players take the opportunity and they see that, hey, I can go ahead and get paid early and then get more tape out there as a I wouldn't say amateur, more like a professional. I mean, yes, the XFL is a professional football league, but it's not the NFL, you know. So getting your tape out there, getting, while getting paid, still a young football player, then getting drafted, potentially in the first round, you know, that that's everything. So, you know, I'm excited for you, Devin. Um, if you get the chance to go to XFL games, Please send me some tickets if you can. If you're able to go, <laughs> yeah. if you're yeah, able to go, because I, I want to get that experience in. Um, sure. Even if it's just like a seat in one of the stands, you know, just or sideline passes, I don't care. But <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm I'm definitely excited uh, for them to come back. I was a little bummed out because I wanted to eventually get to the XFL game before. Uh, everything yeah, pretty too. much shut down. Uh, it was, it was exciting. I probably was, went to see the DC Defenders. Uh, they had a pretty exciting team. St. Louis had a really good team. So I'm excited to dive back into that. And, uh, obviously, uh, you know, some top XFL players are on NFL rosters. One PJ Walker. He's, uh, he's with the Carolina Panthers. Um, and he really balled out in XFL and showed that, you know, all you gotta do is ball out at quarterback and you can get, uh, NFL contract. Uh, Jordan Tama was with the Chiefs now, so uh, now you know probably I'm probably gonna take a look uh, here soon at, at some of the undrafted QB uh, free agents, uh, potentially do a piece on that, see who could be the next uh, next PJ Walker, or Jordan Tama, and also Kenny Robinson. I think he was a Blue Hawks. Yeah, yeah, Sam uh, Battle Hawks. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I. It's, I know like the XFL was like four or five months ago, but it just feels like years ago that they were playing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a long 2020. It has. We're in year number eight of 2020 is how I put it. So it's a grind, man. Um, before we get started with um, providing the hot takes that the fans were able to tweet us, um, I want to give my thoughts on a few prospects that I've watched over the last few days. Um, Dylan Moses, Rondale Moore, and Pat Fryermuth. First off with Dylan Moses, this is a good football player, Devin. This is a dude. Um, I mean, if you, if you said that Moses was better than Micah Parsons, I wouldn't argue with you because he's just that good. 
Um, and he hasn't played a legit snap in college football since the national championship in which Clemson just absolutely destroyed Alabama. Um, you know, when looking at Dylan Moses' background, he was built to play a linebacker from day one. I remember just seeing all the highlights from high school, the recruiting hype, and I'm like, this dude is just insane. Insane. Um, a couple notes that I took from just looking at articles about him and all that, um, he, he was working out every day from the age of nine. He's really sorry focusing focusing on football at nine years old, which is insane. And he was one he was probably one of the more bigger athletes on the field in high school. From freshman year on to senior year, he was the best player on the field no matter what. Um I think if I remember correctly, he came from IMG Academy. Um which has been a hotbed for um, big-time recruits um, from high school. Mm-hmm. Dylan Moses, uh, when you see him on tape, his play speed is ungodly for someone his age. Like, I think it would be fair to say he's rare in a way because of just what he brings to the table. Like, he's a fast processor. He has a very quick trigger. Um, his physicality is incredible. Tackling technique um, from his technique, strength, and just his tackle radius. They're all extremely, extremely good. His coverage ability um, is phenomenal. Um, he's able to really just drop in zone and close in because – and close in on the football because, you know, he has that insane athleticism um, that everyone was preaching about um, during his times um, in high school. And that was one of his biggest traits coming into college was his elite athleticism. And now, like, he could have gone into the NFL draft last year. He would have been the first linebacker taken. I am sure of it. Um, he is that good, even despite missing that last year. Um, hopefully we get to see him play this year. Um, if college football doesn't get canceled, but you know, we'll have to wait and see a few other things I put down. Um, his instincts are well above average. Um, he keeps his shoulders square. Um, when, whenever he's close to the line of scrimmage, um, he just explodes downhill um, whenever he's able to correctly and cleanly read um, and process plays. Um, and he hits hard, dude. He he hits harder than some of the best linebackers I've seen so far during this um, summer scouting process. Um, even last year, like, this is – he's probably one of the hardest-hitting linebackers I've evaluated. Like, he is – he rocks you. I mean, he's not Reuben Foster because Foster, he, he'll just knock your head off. Yeah. I mean, and it's sad that Foster didn't have the career that everyone, everyone was saying he was going to have, um, off field issues, injuries, whatnot. Hopefully he can have a resurgence in Washington. 
but that's another story. But there wasn't a lot to Nick Dylan Moses about. Mm-hmm. There, there are times where he did do too much at times, and I think it was a little bit from overthinking. Um, he'll struggle at times of he'll bite on play fakes um, pretty often, um, and he'll get confused of whether this is an actual run play or whether this is a legit um, play action play. So mm-hmm. it's so mentally, I think he just needs to stop overthinking a lot because he's so good at the position and he, and he knows that, okay, I am very good. I know what I'm doing, but I think the overthinking is a little bit from experience. Um, another thing is like, I didn't see him really do well with block deconstruction. Um, he'd usually get, um, held up whenever, um, an offensive lineman got to him on a second level. Um, so those are my only concerns with Moses, but overall, he is a fantastic draft prospect. He's probably going to be in my top 10 on my draft board. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he is considered the number one linebacker in the 2021 draft. Um, come the end of the college football season, if there is a season, um, because Big Ten's probably not going to play. Well, there are rumors that they might try to play still, but that's another story for hopefully Thursday. But, you know, Dylan Moses, man, I love him. He's one of my favorite players in this draft. Um, if he can stay healthy, he, He's going to be one of the best defenders in this, in this entire draft. He's arguably the best defender in this entire draft. I think it's between him and Micah Parsons, which for a lot, when you're talking about value for linebackers, like you have to question whether or not you take them in the top 10. If they're that good, you take them in, in the top 10. But again, comes down with evaluation, evaluation. So. We'll have to wait and see there. Another guy I want to get to is Pat Fryermuth. Um, he's been nicknamed Baby Gronk, and rightfully so. Well, I'm not saying he is the next Gronk, but this dude is a very good football player. Um, he has 15 total touchdowns across two years at Penn State. Um, he was draft eligible as a sophomore because uh, – Technically, because he was a sophomore, he wasn't really draft eligible, but he was three years removed from high school. So um, he was draft eligible last year. He could have gone pro, and he probably would have been the number one tight end in last year's draft. I think far and away, um, tight end class last year was very, very down. Uh, He he certainly could have been been tight end one. Um. Yeah, that tight end class last year, like, it was hard to watch. Um, Cole Commit, I think, was my number one tight end, if I remember correctly. I'll have to go back, but it was a really bad class. Um, and now this year, all of a sudden, we're getting a tremendous tight end class with Pat Frymuth and Kyle Pitts and Brevin Jordan. But when watching Frymuth, he just does everything well um, for – that you want, or he does everything you want a tight end to do 
for your offense. Um, he's a very good blocker um, in the run game and in pass protection. He's a very good wide receiver um, in the passing game. Very strong hands and contested catch situations. Um, he is a true seam beater. Um, he always seems to find those soft spots in his own coverage. Um, his ball skills are great. Um, his carries his speed very, very well at the top of his routes, and his cuts um, in his breaks and sims are really, really nice. Um, he only, I think, I only have two things down for uh, Pat Frymuth in my con section in my notes, and it was like there's like he can be more versatile with his release packages, um, especially against press coverage, but. Overall, there's nothing really wrong with Pat Frymuth's game. He is pro-ready. Like, he he could be a starting NFL tight end right now, if if I'd have to guess, because – and there are some – there are some concerns with his mocking, um, especially his technique. Um, those concerns are valid, but I don't see that – I think he does a – well enough job as a blocker to really, I I don't have a problem with him as a blocker just overall. Um, I get if someone doesn't have Pat Frymuth as tight end one, then I understand the argument for Kyle Pitts and Brevin Jordan. Both tight ends are very very good at what they do, um, but Pat Frymuth is my tight end one entering the 2020 season. If the Big Ten were to get reinstated um, and they were to start playing, then I, I expect a big year from Pat Frymuth, especially with KJ Hamler gone. Um, I expect more targets, uh, more production, um, especially in the red zone. But, um, you know, this year will be a good opportunity for Kyle Pitts and Brevin Jordan to increase their stock. Because both of them are very good tight ends, but both of them have flaws that are very notable. I think Kyle Pitts for him, he's struggles a little bit in uh, run blocking, but he's an excellent receiver. He reminds me a lot of Noah Fant. Um, Brevin Jordan, um, he's just a very good football player overall, but some like technique wise from route running and as a blocker, um, it can be better. But, you know, Pat Frymuth doesn't play. That gives a that gives a much better opportunity for Brevin Jordan and Kyle Pitts to increase their stock and maybe become the top tight ends in this draft class. But we'll have to wait and see. I compared those three tight ends to the top three receivers in last year's draft class of C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, and Henry Ruggs III. They're all so good in so many different ways that. Whoever you have as your top player for either position, I don't, I'm not going to get mad about. Like, they're all very, very good players. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I will agree. Uh, I mean, I, I do have a hot take for later, so I'm going to save that for later. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're all, uh, very good football players. Uh, yeah, Fryermuth is my tight end one. Um, I just like his tenacity blocking, uh, his ability to, uh, get open and, and really, uh, you know, make people miss an open field and, and get some serious, uh, yak. Um, I think that, you know, in terms of 
the importance to him to the offense of Penn State's. I think like his value to Penn State is like much greater than like uh, you know Kyle Pitts' value to Florida's offense or um, Brevin Jordan's um, value to Miami's offense. Frymuth is that good and that talented, so I certainly have him as tight end one. Uh, like you said, technique blocking wise is a little bit of a concern, but overall I have less concerns about him than some of the other tight ends in this class. Yeah, Brian Muth is, I think, my comp for him. And I was actually listening to um, the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. Out, shout out to Trevor Sekma and Benjamin Solak. I was listening to um, to what they had to say about Pat Brian Muth. And um, I think Benjamin, or I think Ben, he, uh, what was the comp he had? I think he had a comp for Brian Muth, which was Tyler Eifert. And I could, I could definitely see that. Baby Gronk is a good comp, but I, that's extremely high price. But I think Tyler Eifert is more of the, okay, that's a much more fair comparison than what, um, what Baby Gronk would be. Because a Baby Gronk would be just Gronk, but smaller, but just as good. Um, so yeah. yeah. Pat Fryer, my tight end one. On to Rondale Moore, and then we'll get on to the hot takes. Rondale Moore, man, this is a good football player. Um, I do have concerns with him about drops. Um, I I don't like him playing on the outside. I do think he does have potential to play on the outside, but his size will be an issue against physical big corners on the outside. So I think he's more of a pri- he's more of a slot receiver than a typical outside receiver, but overall he is just a true weapon on offense. He he has the ability to run the full route tree due to great quickness and speed and he has really good acceleration through his routes. Um he plays like a running back in the open field. His yak is incredibly good. It's rare, in my opinion. He can go 0 to 60 in the flash. He has great vision, contact balance, footwork, elusiveness. And for someone his size, he is physical. When someone gets his hands, when someone gets his hands on more, he's just going to shut him off and be like, eh, like, you're nothing to me. Um, He's very hard to defend. He's a threat on all three levels of the field. Um, There's nothing there's not really anything to there's nothing really more to nag more about except for um the drops and um his size and also like I wasn't really comfortable with him going up for contested catch situations you know like yes he does have terrific athleticism um he did squat 600 pounds He's yeah. what, 600? He's a, he's a freak a of athlete. freak. And he was doing – and I was mostly just watching um, the 2018 tape. I'm like, holy cow, this dude can get better, can get – can add to his frame. Oh, my goodness. This is – this might be the next big-time threat as 
as a wide receiver, he could be a Tyree kill in a sense because of how dominant he is, how he, how good he is after the catch and how he can just absolutely burn defenses like nobody's business. Um, I do have durability concerns. Um, he did miss eight games with, um, a hamstring injury. Um, he only played four games um, last season, and I hate that we might not be we di- we're not going to be able to see him play this year. He opted out and declared for the NFL draft. I think he's a first round wide receiver. When I put in my initial grade for him, um, uh, for my tier values, um, at first he came up as a second round grade, which I was surprised. Because I think this is a, this is easily a first round player and someone his caliber should go first round. Um, but, um, after a little, after I looked over the notes and I adjusted his grade a little bit, he had a low first round grade for me, but my feelings for more are the feelings I have for his current round value. Um, if, you take away some of the traits that he did not grade well for me, um, uh, which was contested catch, um, hands. Um, I did dock off, um, a couple points for durability concerns. Um, but those three areas, if he, he, if he graded out like a nine out of 10 in those areas, like he'd easily be one of my top three receivers. But I think, um, once I do more initial grades for wide receivers, which I plan on doing later on, um, or throughout the year, um, hope, hopefully more will be among my top receivers, but I don't know, man. Like, we'll just have to see what he can do at the combine and as pro days. And if he can graduate, early um, in December so then he could have a chance of going to the Pro Bowl or not the Pro Bowl, the Senior Bowl, which would be fantastic to see because I think Moore really needs to show off more tape um, for the people that are concerned about his hands and um, durability, his ability um, at the catch point and so forth. So Ron Lamb Moore, excellent football player. He's a first-round caliber wide receiver. Um my initial grade doesn't show that, but my feelings towards Moore are easily a first-round player. So those are my thoughts on the three players um, I broke down. Dylan Moses, Pat Frymuth, Rondell Moore. And now, Devin, it's time for some hot takes, some spicy takes. Yeah. I know you have a few spicy takes that um, some fans swayed out at you. I had some takes um, under my – um, hot takes tweet. So let's pull that up real quick. Um, you know, I'm excited to do this and there are definitely some takes I really want to break down. Um, hopefully we can get through all of them. Um, if we can, it's no big deal. Um, we'll definitely do this another time. Um, we definitely plan on doing this another time probably later on the season when um, there are NFL games going on and hopefully college football games as well. Um, We'll have more hot takes, like who's going to be in the playoffs and um, 
who's the best team in college football right now with no Big Ten and Pac-12 teams and all that. So um, we're excited for this. And, uh, Devin, the floor is yours. All right, so uh, first take we got is from uh, Ryan Roberts, a uh, really good dude on Twitter. Uh, but he said that J.C. Horn is CB1. Um, I think that's, on terms of the hot take bar, I think that's, I mean, it's it's a spicy take, but it's not extremely spicy. It's, no. Um, and- I, I mean, to me, he's a he's a top five DB in this class for sure. So I, I can, you can make the argument. Uh, yeah. Right now I got Farley as CB1. Uh, certain, uh, and Wade are like interchangeable between CB2 and CB3. Uh, and then this JC Horn for me at CB4. So, uh, I, I can't be mad about that take. I don't, I don't think it's super, super controversial. It's, um, yeah, I can see where Ryan's coming from with, um, with his take, um, with JC Horn as, uh, quarterback number one. Um, I, Got the chance to watch Horn a little bit last night um, before I headed off to bed. Um, I really liked his length and size. Um, his ability to impress and technique are really good. Um, he's physical, aggressive, um, nice hip fluidity, um, something I would call oily hips, um, just very fluid. Um, I think his footwork could be better. He can get grabby at times. Um and he kind of wouldn't say he plays tall he with his back pedal, but um I learned the i think I learned last night you know um I think back pedals are overrated in a way, but it's definitely something to note, especially when you wanna if, especially if you're playing off man um against a receiver back pedal flip your hips and turn. But um, he did play um, at times. He played tall um, in this backpedal and did commit some false steps um, and guessed at some times um, during um, during uh, my film study of J.C. Horn. But um, it's not a spice. It's not a big time spicy take. It's definitely a spicy take. But I understand where um, Ryan is covering. Ryan is coming from. Uh, shout out to Ryan. Um, he does great work. Um, one of the better draft analysts on Twitter. Um, give him a follow over at, let me pull up his Twitter. Um, can remember right off the top of my head at rise and NFL draft or rise and draft. Um, follow him there. Director of scouting at, um, NFL draft bi- draft Bible. Um, NFL draft analyst at TDDR draft room. Um, he does so many great things. Um, very good draft analyst. Um, I would recommend giving him a follow and follow and, um, checking out his content. What's the next take you got for us, Devin? Uh, the next one, uh, I will, will it, it, it's certainly on terms of the hot take scale. It, it was up there. Uh, and we got, um, it's something to do with quarterbacks, uh, and from It Factor Scout uh, okay. on Twitter, it says, uh, don't know how hot it is, but Kellamon is QB4. Ooh. I haven't gotten the chance to watch Mond throughout my summer evaluations, um, but from what I saw 
when before he announced he was going to stay um, another year at Texas A and M. Um, I did get the chance to watch a little bit of Keelan Mond. Um, I see the potential. He does have a good arm. He has some. He has good size. But when when I was evaluating uh, Courtney Davis, who I liked a lot during the draft process, um, I wasn't really impressed. Though I do see where people are high on him because of his potential, because of his arm, and because of his size. And also, he's um, pretty athletic. Um, I saw Cam Newton take somewhere months back about Keelan Mond, and I'm like, whoa, let's let's back up a little bit. Mond isn't that special, but I see where people like him. It's just... I do not like Keelan Mond much. If he has a good, um, if he has a good 2020, um, especially with the schedule, um, having to play Alabama. Let me pull up Texas A&M's schedule real quick because I know he's got quite a few big games. He'll need to prove that he is worth being one of the top five quarterbacks in this draft class. Um, See, they're playing Florida, LSU. Yeah, they play. Uh, they'll play Vandy first, then Bama, uh, oh. then Florida, oh, then Mississippi State, oof, Arkansas, South Carolina, Tennessee, Ole Miss, LSU, and then Auburn. He'll need. If he can play somewhat well against, let's see, Bama, Florida, I'm going to say Tennessee. I like Tennessee a lot entering the year. Um, LSU, Auburn. If he can have good games against two or three of the five of those teams, then I don't see why he won't. Why well, he can't be one of the top four quarterback or one of the top five quarterbacks in this draft class, but he'll he'll need to prove his worth and his value in those games, especially when hosting LSU November twenty eighth um, at Kyle Field. That's going to be a big game for him at home, and that could and with a conference only schedule, we won't really know exactly what what the season's going to be like, especially for Texas A&M. I mean, they could, this could benefit Texas A&M, but, you know, overall, don't really like Keelan Mond. I get where the hype is coming from. I just don't like him as a player. Um, he does need improvements everywhere else, mentally, um, footwork. It, it needs work, but I see the intrigue. Yeah, I'll do one more and then uh, we can let you kind of take over. But um, we got one more from uh, our guy, Mark Jarvis. Um, he uh, he said Koi uh, Dang was a top 50 player. Uh, now, I've actually gotten a chance to watch Cal's defense uh, this offseason. Mm-hmm. And um, I was watching mostly Cameron Bynum. And uh, Dang, he did, he did pop on film a little bit. He, he's a super... 
extremely tall linebacker um, that is extremely raw. Um, and uh, that's kind of what my big thing is with him, uh, is that he has some potential. He has some uh, some closing speed, but he's a, a 6'6", 250 linebacker. Um, I Disclaimer, I have not watched him yet. Um have gotten the chance to because I've been way behind on my summer evaluations. Um, but I'll definitely try to get to watch him. But holy cow, what'd you say his size was? 6'5? 6'6, 250. 6'6, 250? Yeah. Is he a pass rush linebacker? Uh, yeah. He, 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 oh, he, oh. he saw he that mold. So, okay. They. they they don't have him like playing like Mike linebacker or anything like that. He's more okay. of like a kind of a hybrid, but he's a, he's an intriguing prospect. Like I said, he's extremely raw. Uh, you know, his game isn't refined at all. Uh, but he, he's an interesting player to watch for sure. Uh, I, I would say if you want someone that to an uh, intriguing kind of, uh, prospect you know that that's definitely someone that uh you should take a look at the washington and oregon games for him uh were some of his best games um and but yeah he does play he does play a bit of inside backer uh so that definitely uh it's definitely intriguing with the linebacker class we already have uh top 50 might be a stretch for me right now uh i would say maybe top 100 uh he has kind of that potential but uh he he's an extremely raw linebacker yeah, and again, I have not watched uh, Denji yet, and um, I hope to over the next uh, few days or over the next week or so. Um, but I'm going to trust Devin um, with his analysis because, again, I have not watched uh, Denji yet. Um, so, Mark, if you're listening to this, my apologies for not being able to watch him yet. But, um, yeah, if... If you think that's a spicy take, then I'll take your word for it. So now it's my turn to get some of the takes in for my side. So let me look through here. Um, there's definitely some spicy takes. Um, we already touched up on Keelamond. There's a Keelamond take in this. Um, from fans, me, Keelamond will finish as a top five quarterback. Um, we touched up on this. I don't really necessarily agree. Um, he, he's raw all, all over, but the trait, but the tools in terms of his arm talent, athletic ability, and size, those are intriguing. And I see the potential, but I don't think he reaches that because he, he, he's just really raw. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. But um, here's one from from our buddy Dante Colonelli. Um, Marvin Wilson is the top defensive player in this class, just edges out Parsons. What is your to, take on that? I have to disagree. Uh, for me, it's either Micah Parsons or Dylan Moses. Um, simply because, like, I, I like Marvin Wilson. Uh, when, when he's dominant, he's dominant. Uh, there's no other way of putting it, but. Uh, there are times where he, he struggles to uh, shed blocks. Um, there are times he does end up on the ground. So uh, for me, uh, I get why he would say that, you know, he, he's, I mean, you know, inside defensive linemen, they're really, really 
uh, you know, really good ones are hard to come by. But uh, to me, when you have a linebacker uh, that's so versatile like Micah Parsons that can not only uh, be a, a stand-up linebacker but can put his hand in the ground and has that edge rush ability, uh, I think that increases his value in his um, – you know, just how teams value value him, and you know he he can be uh, in the box or he can play on the edge. So that that's something that for me that kind of edges Micah Parsons out and, and makes him the top defensive player. I agree with you. Um, I don't think Marvin Wilson is the top defensive player in this draft class. It's definitely either Micah Parsons or uh, Dylan Moses. You can argue Caleb Farley or one of the other corners if you have a good argument, but um, my, I would put my money on uh, Moses and Parsons as the top defensive playmakers um, in this draft class. Uh, Marvin Wilson, very good player, probably one. He's, I think he'll be a top ten player on my draft board. I would assume, if not top fifteen, he is a very good football player. My top defensive tackle right now. Um, but Dante, I love you, brother. You're, you're an incredible draft analyst, but I wanted to pass on that take, man, that it, it's definitely Parsons and Dylan Moses as top players and top defensive players in this draft class. Another take will be from JT Olsen at Icewater Olsen. The Detroit Lions will have the best offense in the NFC North. I I can see it, but I don't think it's happening because I do not trust Matt Patricia's Detroit Lions at all. I do not trust him as a coach. I do not trust that coaching staff. I do like the talent, um, especially um, – I think this is one of the better groups of talent that Stafford is, um, especially in the backfield with DeAndre Swift and Carryon Johnson. That's going to be a really nice running back duo. Um, it's got Marvin Jones. Um, let me pull up the depth chart for some, I know they have a really solid group of receivers. Oh, Kenny Galladay. Um, those are two really nice receivers, um, to throw to, um, TJ Hawkinson. Um, they do have a, I wouldn't say solid. It's an okay offensive line's average, but it's better than what he's had in the past, in my opinion. Um, but could I see them having the best offense in the NFC North if Stafford is healthy and Matt Patricia gets his head out of his ass? Then yeah. But right now, no, I don't, I don't see it happening or I don't see it happening this year, but with a new coach, um, maybe it's Joe Brady. I don't know. But with a new coach next year, and if Stafford is healthy again next year, then I could definitely see the Detroit Lions being the best offense in the in the NFC North. What, Devin, what is your take on that? Yeah, uh, I don't really see it. I think that um, I, I saw a report that TJ Hawkinson is not even – fully healed from his ankle injury. So, uh, yeah, so I think that kind of right there, I, I, I could see if uh, Hawkinson was, you know, already becoming next level and things like that, but he's still probably 
another year or two away from really becoming what he uh, could be in the NFL. So uh, I, I don't know. I don't really trust our offensive line yet. Uh, I think that still needs some work um, in just the overall scheme. Uh, they're going to be a good offense, but probably not the best in the NFC North. All right. So last take for the day. Um, if we didn't get your take today, we apologize, but we'll definitely try to get um, your takes for the next time we do hot takes for the Drive Nut podcast. The last take is from uh, Johnny Fitz um, at Jonathan DKF on Twitter. Uh, Johnny says DJ Moore will make the Pro Bowl this year. I he he should have made the Pro Bowl last year, and if he continues to get um, the same amount of targets, um, and he's got a bear quarterback this year than he had last year with Kyle Allen. Uh, for most of the year, and Will Greer. If Moore continues to produce and continues to grow as a player, gets better with his route running, um, I think that's the only nag I have with Moore as a player right now. If Moore can improve his nuances with um, his route running, absolutely DJ Moore can make the Pro Bowl. Um, I don't I don't see that really as a hot take. Um, I see that as a pretty good take in my opinion. Um, but you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how Carolina Panthers split their targets up with Christian McCaffrey, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, Ian Thomas. Um, and then of course, DJ Moore, um, it would just have, it would depend on how well they get the ball in DJ Moore's hands. If they get, get it, give him onto 30 targets at least. Uh, or more, that's great, and he's probably going to have over 1,100 yards receiving. I, I'm guessing in Joe Brady's offense, I think he fits his off that offense perfectly. Um, so yeah, um, if if we're talking about him being a top 10 or top five receiver, no, no, absolutely not. No. Yeah, I mean, I love, I, DJ, I love DJ Moore, but no. but no. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree kind of with your sentiment. It really comes down to how many touches he's going to get uh, just with that offense and Joe Brady's offense. I think he has a potential to. I wouldn't rule that out. But, yeah, I wouldn't say that's that's not too much of a hot take. Yeah. Um, real quick, we're not going to break the um, our takes down, but I do have two takes I want to say, and I'll tweet them out um, here in a few minutes um, so then Twitter can react. Um, I already tweeted out about the LSU Tigers, but I didn't go more in depth. I said, uh, yesterday, the LSU Tigers will go 10 and 0 in conference play and make the national championship again. They'll make the college football playoff and the national championship again. And Cam Newton, my favorite quarterback and someone who I have defended for so long, for so many years, when he is healthy, Cam Newton is a top five, top ten quarterback in the NFL, and that's it. Devin, what are your two takes, and then we're then we're done for the day. Uh, my first take is uh, I like uh, UCLA quarterback uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson as a as a top ten quarterback. Uh, if, if he should decide to declare, I did like a whole breakdown piece on him on Blue Chip Scouting. Uh, but yeah, I like him more than like Brock Purdy and Jamie Newman, a lot of those guys. Oh, nice. Um, and then my other take, uh, is, 
uh, I got three NFC South teams making it into the playoff, the uh, NFL playoffs. So that's spicy, and I don't see how that can happen, especially yeah. if the Falcons get better. All right, guys, that is the end of today's podcast. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you later. Peace out.